Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yes, yes, hello and welcome to the Fresh Arsenal podcast with me, JB. And me, PB. Welcome back. I am uh, I'm hosting this week because Ollie's Ollie's done the last couple brilliantly. Um, you know, we like to like to pass it around like Arsenal used to pass the ball around rather than you know having one person run solo and have to figure it all out on their own. So welcome back. Uh, we join you with the good news that Arsenal good news? With the news that Arsenal have not lost a game which uh, kind of feels like a win and then you realise we're still like, I don't know, 15th and you know, we, we've just drawn a home game and lost four in the row before that so we'll try and find some reasons to be cheerful but but uh, let's let's walk you through the game and, and go through that bit by bit. So thank you for joining and uh, hopefully we can we can cheer you up as we go. So, so PB, talk to me. The I mean, the Burnley game was pretty recent. We know we know what's been going on. We know the Pelters Arteta's being taken. He gave his whole speech about taking bullets and standing up and you know taking the flak we deserve. And I think he's right. Uh, and you know we can only do our talking on the pitch. So I think we can debate whether that happened or not tonight. But if that is correct. They can talk as much as they like, but it's ultimately down to performances. So. I guess the first thing was was everyone was waiting to see what was going to happen. William, captain, named in the starting lineup. Lacazette playing at centre back today. You know, clearly the first thing that we all wanted to see change is if the performances can't change instantly, is you want to see Arteta recognise, you know, recognise the performances we've all been seeing. So, you know, the first sign of that was clearly when when the lineup came out. I think there were questions around the formation and personnel. But what did you think when you saw the lineups? Yeah, I don't think I don't know about anyone else, but I've never been more glued to to five o'clock an hour before the game to see what the lineup was going to be. I was counting the minutes down, and um, yeah, well, we made changes. I mean, I think it was four changes, right? And, and two of them were enforced mm-hmm. with the Bellerin and and Jacker suspensions. So we saw Maitland Niles come in there, uh, which people have been calling for, and we saw Sabayas in for Jacker. And then the others were Lacazette, Jotford and Ketia. And listeners will know how I feel about him. So, but look, we don't really have many options there. And obviously Pepe back in for William, which I think definitely was the right thing to do. So when you go through those, right, I think when you look at the choices, Jacker out means that, I mean, there was no choice, right? Unless you're going to play Willock, which he was never going to do. So I think the... The Sabios change kind of did itself. Mm. Uh, Bellerin being suspended. Uh, I think we would have all assumed that Maitland-Niles came in, but it was always the danger it might have been Cedric, so it was good not to see that at least. Uh, I mean, I guess the other two, Lacazette and William, have, have been needing to be dropped for a while. Mm. Um, I, I'll get your thoughts on Eddie in a second. I mean... The William Pepe one, do you think that's something he would have done earlier if he'd been able to? Yes, because I think even though as much as he seems to be loyal to William, we have seen some slight frustration there. I think he's been hooked off uh, at a half time and a bit earlier before. So 
you know he he's not he's not blind to this the calls of the fans i think everyone wanted to see pepe pepe back in uh, especially after what he's done in the europa league and i know it's only the europa league but you know we're not scoring at all in the premier league and the stats don't lie as much as pepe might frustrate he he creates things he's a bit unorthodox and he can score and i think williams had one shot on target in his whole time at the club so far so when you're not scoring and, and putting players out like that and you've got Lacazette through the middle who, who can't shoot you need to bring in someone like Pepe he's not perfect but there's I, I would struggle to to see how someone could say he shouldn't be in the team right now yeah I think he's one of the only player I mean him and Saka largely like mm. you know players that you want to see on the ball and like when they get the ball at least expectation levels go up uh, mm. and then Look, I know you're not Eddie's biggest fan, but like, if you're gonna drop or rotate Lacazette, there's not much choice, um, you know, and, unless you want to go a different way and play Aubameyang through the middle. I, I guess that's the other thing, really, is this was a return to the back three, um, yeah. or back five, or whatever you want to call it. That I think we are more solid in. You know, I don't think we create in any of our systems, but I think there's clearly a solidity to the back three that we don't otherwise have. I yeah. think. Uh, for me, um, and we'll come on to this, but I think ultimately we're a back three team. And I think when you look at the midfield that we have on the pitch, they don't protect the defence and they don't get forward. They're kind of, I know we get stick for missing them out and playing wide, but like the ease with which Southampton passed through or between El Nenny and Ceballos was mm. absurd. You have to have three centre-backs because there's no one in front of them and you know on the odd occasion that those two midfielders do get near the ball they just get bounced off it uh, and I know Jacker is not amazing and he's had a pretty poor season but you can see why he plays because the midfield is just so lightweight otherwise like literally his mass alone makes him a better option mm. uh, even though you could debate that um, and then going forward like it's just super safe so uh, as painful as it is, is to watch, I think we just need to accept that for now, and maybe it changes when Partey plays, but for now, mm. we need that back three because otherwise teams are just going to play through us so easily. Yeah, I was, I was going to say the same thing. We need Partey at a minimum, uh, and I think we need the person we're hopefully going to bring in in January. If we bring in one player, it's got to be a, a more creative midfielder, technically sound player who can go past people because as you say we we just don't have the players to you know we've tried it out we, we've literally seen we don't have the players without Partey to to make it work and I mean this this five we did see in a few moments where we did take control of the game it does become become a bit more of a four I mean for the goal you see you see Saka get into much more advanced areas and Tierney get out on the left so it's not perfect system at all, but we're when we were talking about changing it, we were thinking there might be hopes of us getting towards the top of the league. And to get to that point, we do need a different system. But it's very clear we don't have the players to play that system. So we now need to, you know, stop losing. And I think this is the best best thing short term for us to do through the through this winter anyway. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree. I think it's um, it's a tough one. I, th I think it comes back to accepting where we are and what we are right now, mm. and what we are tried right to now. To grow is too quick. quick. Pardon? We tried to grow too quick. I think Arteta, he might know what we're going to do in January. He might know that player's coming, and he wanted to get the team in a position for for a new system before we had that person mm. um, but you know the, the party setbacks are huge as well it's, it's such a big impact that and, and we got ourselves to blame yeah look, it's really tough right because i think um you know in the elliot the yankee gunner line is is i'd rather see arteta try and play exactly how he wants to play and if the players can't play like that then fine right and you'll see the weaknesses but if they can't play anything like that and if you want to Again, we're guessing because we haven't seen it from Arteta, but you think what he wants to play is a 4-3-3, high press, uh, kind of positional play, possession-based football. 
when we've gone to a back four, it hasn't even looked close to being that. So I think that, you know, you can try and do that and it can fail miserably and you learn the players aren't good enough. But if the results are also not there, then mm. you, there's only so long you can put up with it. You can't, you know, you can't just lose every game and be like, it's okay, we're trying to get somewhere. Um, yeah, it were, as much faith as they're saying they're going to put in Arteta, the, the fact is if we had lost two or three more in a row, there would have been no choice at all. You know, we, we would have potentially been 19th yeah. or something. And, and I think what we're seeing is, is exactly what he did when he joined. And this is the dilemma, right? Which is he's basically realised or decided, and I think it's more realised, that the, the players are, are not up to playing how he wants or how we mm-hmm. would want. Uh, now, look, there's no proof he can coach them to play like that, but clearly he doesn't think they can do it. Mm-hmm. And he has decided that this is the way to make us solid. And plug the gaps and the holes you get when you try and play another way because teams run through us. Now, I think it undeniably makes us more solid. Clearly, we're still not creating. But, you know, this is where I'm torn because I think that I think that I would like to see a clearer vision. Like, it's, it's, it is clearly hard to get behind a team that has no defined style. Um, but I think then you're coming down to two questions, right? One is player quality. And player quality question is, are the players good enough to actually play in any decent way? And we would, I would think yes. But I, as we came back to, I don't think there's actually any evidence, if you look at the individual players, to say that this combination of players can produce like top six standard football. We don't have the squad that did it. When we did it under Emery, we had a, a kind of a better version of Aubameyang still. And we had Aaron Ramsey, which is not something you should ignore. And we did it before that. We had Alexis and Ozil playing at a much higher level. So when you take that individual talent out, I think there is a question on how good this squad actually is, especially when you factor in how imbalanced it is. And then you have a question of how good is the manager? And I don't know the answer to that, but um, I, I don't think he's useless, but I don't think you know he's a miracle worker. He's, he's probably somewhere in between. So I just think it's about plodding through till January and that's shit. Um, but I just don't think that changing this team, so changing the manager gets any different results. No. Short term. I, I might be wrong. Maybe it does, but it, if it does, I think it'll be another one of those short term bounces that Emery had and Arteta had. And then mm. once again, this group of players will down tools. Um, so, yeah. Well, we thought we'd get it with, with Freddie, didn't we? When we were in this position this time last year and we thought, well, Freddie will give them a little bit of a bounce. That didn't happen. Arteta had a semi-bounce, but not not massive. Uh, I think didn't we drew, draw the first game with Bournemouth? Um, mm. We didn't go on a brilliant run. There wasn't, you know, the type of bounces we've seen in other teams. And Arteta so, started with a four-four-two-three-one, right? And then he abandoned yeah. it. Um, mm. And don't forget, Freddie gave up on them. I say gave up on them. Freddie tried to play a certain way, and by his last game, he was playing the kids because he basically decided that this lot weren't up to it. So. Mm. like I'm torn obviously we haven't had a top manager but like Emery might be a coward and he might not be up to managing a top club but he's not an idiot um and you know he he went to a back three at times and I I think there is just something to be said here for as much as we want to believe that this team should be achieving top six or top ten or whatever you think there is increasingly little evidence that at any point in the last three years Arsenal's current squad have been up to that level uh, mm. and and you know i think we have to con- confront that because it's easy to say that the manager should be getting more and I, he probably should be but i really don't know how confidently you can say the kind of this is a top half squad yeah because like point, think... point me to the players that would walk into a wolves team or an everton team or a southampton team if you can show me more than five in our squad or more than six or seven in our squad, like that's, that shouldn't be a difficult question, mm. but I can't see them. Yeah. Yeah. We, yeah. Some people definitely overrate the squad, but I mean, we're definitely not 15th, 16th, but the huge thing for me is the culture around the club at the moment, which we, you know, one of the big pluses, people wanted to believe that Arteta was bringing was a cultural shift. We've now seen three red cards in five games in the Premier League. 
which is unheard of. I'm pretty sure that never seen a run like that before. We've seen setting records. It's good. Yeah, we've seen just players. I mean, you can pick out the players who you can see are trying versus the players who you who definitely aren't. And this all boils down to me just, and it's our own fault. It's Edu's fault. It's the it's anyone who's been involved in contracts, in negotiations to move people on because you should not be going into a Premier League season leaving a £350,000 player out the squad, keeping him in training, a very influential global player, keeping him in training with the same group, also Socrates, senior player, on a lot of money, well-respected by the players. And those are two completely out of the squad. I could name at least 10 that are not making the, the match day squads or are very rarely picked, who clearly Arteta doesn't like. Arteta's coming out publicly saying he doesn't think the players are good enough. And we've had an opportunity. I know it's been hard in the summer, you know, obviously with the external circumstances, but it's no excuse. We need to even be paying these players off. We've got Mustafi, Socrates, six months left on their deals. You know, no intention of using them. Mm. Why are they? Why have we got such a huge amount of players? You know, imagine going into your work tomorrow and half of your team, right? Because it's, it's nearly half if you take into account all, all the players you, you know they're not wanted. Imagine half your team know they're, they're not appreciated by the manager and they're probably going to not be at that company in the next year, right? Yeah. How, how can you work in a high-performance team in that environment? It's impossible. Yeah. So I will, I will take a short three-second break to give you the good news that Liverpool have just scored and it took a massive deflection off Eric Dyer. So Top there of the you screen go. now, they're one nil down. Um, at least that's cheered me up a little bit. I, I think it's a really good point you make, right? Which is, um, and we can, we can break, this, break this up into this kind of on-pitch culture and off-pitch culture. Um, mm. And on-pitch is, you know, how you play, the tone you set, the style of play, and off-pitch is... is well, off pitch right it's everything and i think it's a really interesting point right because you you put a tweet out during the week which was was it mustafi and kalasanas just like sitting on balls in training mm. um like just sitting there on footballs chatting it's like i don't blame them because they're under no obligation to um to leave or to kind of turn down yeah. the wages we're paying them but like we've mismanaged that situation yeah and, and like you know we can talk about uh, you know, how we're left in a situation where we've got all the, all the bad decisions we've made and all the big contracts and everything. And that's true. But don't forget, we've added to it in the last year. It's not like we've realized we've made bad decisions and stopped doing it and now we can fix it. It's like, well, actually, in the last 12 months, we've gone and done, you know, Marie, Cedric, gave Louise a new deal, gave a mm. 300k a week, gave um, uh, William the deal. So it's like, okay, we realize we've been running stuff terribly, but also we're going to keep doing it because we haven't learned our lesson. And mm. I completely agree with you that like, there is no way, um, you know, Arteta said you can't keep 31 players happy. Well, it's not you can't keep 31 players happy. It's even worse, right? You can't keep 20 players happy when they've got 10 players who just come into training and, and kill the atmosphere or, or however it is. And I think the other thing is like, you get this new manager bounce, right? Where Arteta comes in and everyone's got a new, you know, clean license and everyone's got a chance to prove themselves. That's fine. But suddenly when that doesn't last forever, players realize they're on the way out, they stop trying. And they also rub off on others because they're all mates, right? Or at least some of them are mates that are influential. So for example, you actually got a really good response from Mustafi and Arteta got Jacka back on side. But it's not a surprise to me that Mustafi essentially ended up reverting um, despite playing well, because maybe he was, you know, maybe he was playing well because he thought he might get a new contract. And it sounds like we might've even offered him a contract in the summer, um, which is bizarre, but you know, maybe that was part of it. And maybe Abami Yang was playing brilliantly because maybe he was running hot. Maybe it worked for him. Maybe, he knew that there was a big contract on offer and he's got it. And through no fault of his own, like it's human motivation. That's just dropped off, of it, dropped off a bit. And mm. maybe David Luiz 
played a certain way when the new manager came in because actually, you know, he was on a one-year deal and he wanted to earn that extension. And now he's got it. Eh, he's not getting another one. So now I'm going to kick up a fuss. So what I think you're seeing, and, and when you see a lot of the leaks and when you see a lot of the stories, what I think you're seeing is a load of senior players who are on big money, on the gravy train, living a nice life in London, suddenly realize the game's up. And, you know, regardless of what they do, they're out, right? They are leaving. So what you get is two things. Number one, they stop giving a shit, right, about what's happening at the club. There's no point. They're not going to get a new contract and they don't want to get injured. Okay, so they might play well if they play because they can earn another contract. But actually, it suits them to make everyone think the manager's shit and they've been hard done by. So then you get sulking and you get them not playing and you get stories about how they've treated, been treated unfairly and you get fake stories about uh, you know, falling out and people not getting on with the manager. Why? Because actually, it's all coming from the same place, which is this guy has come in and I don't... You know, this is not me saying Arteta's done a great job because clearly there are things he can improve. But he's come in and he's picked battles, right? He's picked battles with these players and basically said non-negotiables or whatever you want to call it, um, like, you guys are done here. I want to get rid of you. I want to clear the wages out and I want to change the squad. And those players have basically gone, fuck you, we're going to bring you down with us or we're not going to try for you. And you can't get rid of them, like you said. So it's, it's like a bizarre situation where like, they don't, they're not going to leave. So they're coming, oh, fuck, Son scored. Um, they're going to come in every day. Oh, my fucking Amazon lagged. So it literally went from a Liverpool attack to that. Uh, yeah, you come in every day and like you've just got a, a group of people who are sulking the place out, won't leave, and you've got to pay like, collectively hundreds of thousands of pounds to a week, which is crazy. Mm. So, and I'm trying to ooh, see... Oh, it's offside. It looks offside. Oh, thank God. I tried to see the positive... You know, you list the, we're adding to it with the Cedric and Marie, etc. I tried to see the positive in those when those happened. You know, obviously it looks silly now, but when, logic, when uh, Cedric came in, I thought, right, so we must be selling Maitland-Niles for 20 million. He's back up right back anyway, or we're selling Bellerin. And we brought in the cheap backup, you know, and the money will go to invest in our midfield, which needs desperate attention. Didn't happen. We've got three right backs, right? So yeah. now that deal is very stupid. It's not necessarily stupid when it happened. Marie, same thing. I think, right, David Louise contract coming to an end makes sense. Left-sided. Uh, Louise stays, extends. I think, right, I'm going to try and find logic again. That must mean... We're confident we can ship Socrates, Mustafi, etc. And what happens? We're in December. We're starting a game of holding in Gabriel. We've got Mustafi and Louise on the bench. And out the squad, a Saliba, £30 million centre-back we bought. Marie, who I don't even think he's been on the bench in the Premier League. I know he's only just come back from injury, but still, Louise and Mustafi aren't going to be here long-term. So why... I could go on for ages, but and then there's Socrates, who's not even bloody registered. It's just, it makes me very angry, as you can tell. Yeah, I mean, we haven't even got to the game yet, and well, this is just a, this is a cultural discussion. We have, I mean, but it is right. It's like, yeah, that's why we are where we are. This is why we're seeing what we're seeing on the pitch. Well, that's the thing. So, so I think it all feeds through, right? Because the players aren't robots, so. What's in their heads is going to affect how they play. And I think there's a few things going on. Like, people do weird things when they're stressed. And I think the red cards you're seeing are, like, they're stress responses, right? Like, Pepe mm. was clearly worked up, but he was wound up. Um, who was the red? I mean, Jacker, like, quit. He's a, and, like, really badly, but, like, pressure got to him. Mm. Um. And that's not great because you need players who can handle pressure, but I'm sure these guys are under so much pressure that it's tough. And, oh, Son's like running away from everyone again. And, um, good, Salah just kicked him. Anyway, so what, what you've got is players who are stressed about the situation, uh, like demoralized and demotivated by kind of, grumpy people in training mm. and stressed on the pitch and I think like 
I don't know whether it's, you know, they're confused and unclear what Arteta wants them to do or like trying to think really hard about doing it or they just don't know what to do. But you can see like, I don't know. I'm not saying it's the same, but Pep talked about when he joins clubs, he talks about teaching players to play football from scratch, right? And I think there's got to be a question here of like, it, say Arteta is doing that. They must be being asked to do so many things they're not used to doing or so many things in a different way that, you know, even in like best case scenario, that's going to take time. So what you are likely to see at the start is just a load of players having to think a lot about what they're doing, right? And I think you are seeing that in like, a lot of what we do on the board is quite slow, quite methodical. And you can see they, you know, they naturally go to do something and they change their mind. But like, I can see how that just builds up stress levels in players, which makes them more prone to doing stupid things. Um, and also it's harder to concentrate like that for a match. But like, I think what you are seeing is players switching off because maybe there's just a lot going on in their head and they're just not geared up to play like that. So I think you get this really bad combination of, you know, if we were winning games, maybe it's just easier because you're enjoying it and you're, you know, you've just got to clear ahead and you can take the risk because you don't have the fear in you. But like, I think there's a lot going on right now and it's a combination of fear and confusion and stress and like demotivation, demoralization. And you're seeing it in like, in performances, but also in moments. And those moments are, you know, the yellow cards, the red cards, the, 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 the descent, the um, just switching off and letting someone run off you. Like, and it's not individual players, it's everyone. Every single player is having these moments. Like Tierney lost his runner. Gabriel, both of those have been great this season. Both of them have moments in this game where they completely switched off and lost it. And you can't do that at this level. You can't do that at any level in the Premier League. And the problem we have is like at least one player is doing it every game. So I know it's a, it's a culture thing, but I think it's also a, like a mood and atmosphere thing as well. And I know they're linked. Um, but to your point, like it's not, I can imagine it's a very stressful, unhealthy environment for these players to be in. Mm. And we forget they, they live in this. You know, we see them 180 minutes a week. They're, they're in this seven days a week. You know, most of the day, they're training, they're living, they're eating together. And when things are bad, when you're losing every single game, I mean, just, just playing at my level, when you lost a few games in a row and you go into the changing room for the next game, the mood's just really low. Imagine living that all week. And I think that's why it was as difficult as tonight was to watch and there's, there's plenty of negatives. I think it's, it's important that we didn't lose that game because it, it, it doesn't stop, stop the rot, but it slows it down a little bit. Yeah. Um, but we've got some very tough fixes to go, but I think we, we really needed not to lose the game. What was the Wenger thing? Someone was talking about how Wenger said never lose three in a row, right? Like just find a way to draw. Obviously, mm. this was never lose five in a way, five in a row, but like same thing. I don't think yeah. it's a good result, but clearly it's better than losing another one. And you know, mm. if that holding header goes in at the end, we've we've somehow like nicked it. Um, like I don't think we were great. I think there are moments and signs that are encouraging. Uh, you know, like really clutching at straws right now because a lot of that game was was awful. But I don't know, like there are a few things you can see that look like they're coming together. It's just, mm. it's just so far from everything clicking. And the I don't know, spells like, and games, you, you just need to take advantage of that. I mean, every, even the best teams when they're in bad spells, as you say, they find a way to win and play badly and then it starts to spin. And the, the most frustrating thing for us is we're, you look at the Burnley game, you look at the Southampton game, we started the second half really well in both games. And then, you know, luckily in this game, we got a goal before the red card. But in both games, we give away a red card and it completely flips. And suddenly we're holding on for dear life for the last 30 minutes. It's funny, right? I can't tell because I don't remember watching a new manager come to the club and actually get things working, right? Like, Emery got some results, but I don't think, you know, we never saw a system click. And it's mm. like, I don't know what it should look like. I know you want to be able to recognize a, a style of play, but like, you know, does it, do you, do you start having moments and then you start having periods of games and then you start having halves and then you start having joined up performances? 
Or I think right does now, it suddenly just click? Play, it's styles, right now, we're so low mentally and in the table. Styles of play goes out the window. It's about getting your heads back. Yeah. But does it though, right? Because like, I, I, I get what you're saying that results matter, but... I, I... With the players we've got as well, because you can tell he wants to play away that we don't have the players for. It goes back to the thing. Half the players know they're not wanted. Sure, but if, if, if part of this confusion is like them not knowing how to play, can you fix that? Can you change the way results are going without implementing a clear style, if that makes sense? Well, he, with this system, which he sort of reverted back to tonight, he, he sort of did it. Well, he did it. We won the FA Cup. We beat Man City. We, you know, we beat Chelsea. We, after we came back from lockdown, I think we lost the first two, didn't we? We lost to Man City, another red card. We lost to Brighton. Then he went to this system and he found that as his style. It's, it's like a backup style. It's a safety style. It's his style with these players. He's desperate to play a different way. We don't know if that way is going to be the right way, but we know he doesn't want to play this way. Yeah. And he needs different players to play how he wants. And it sounds like the club are going to trust him and we have to get behind that. Yeah, look, I am fine if this is how he wants to play. Uh, because I think whilst he's manager, you've got to trust him to do that. I want him to play how he wants to play with these players, right? I don't. I have a way that I want Arsenal to be playing, but I'm not manager. So what I don't want is Arteta to do like the JB idea and it doesn't work because he knew it wouldn't work and he's doing it to please people, which I kind of think the last few games of the back four have been. And I, all but I, through I, the middle feels a bit like it. He feels like it feels he knew like, he'd be isolated. Yeah, it feels like there's been loads of criticism and maybe that's how he wants to play eventually. So fuck it, let's just try it and see. Whereas like, stick to your guns. Stick to your guns and just tell us these guys aren't good enough to play a certain way. This is what it's going to be like for now. When I have the players, it's going to change. I mean, the, the tough bit is the bit in the middle, right? Which is like, sadly, part of being a manager is you might want half the squad to go, but they're the squad you've got. And what can you get out of them in the meantime? Um, mm. And I don't know, like, are there other players he could be using and using differently? It's a bit worrying to think that if he wants, you know, if, if he does think that people like Lacazette and William are not good enough, that's fine. But, like, the fact he's been using them in the past suggests that he prefers them to the other options, which means, does that mean he wants, like, 20 new players? And it might be we need that, but it's unrealistic to get that. So I think he's fallen on experience. Rather than necessarily thinking that they're the best for his system, I think he's, it's not been the right decision in hindsight, but he's fallen, he's lent on experience in those players, you know, in your Lacazettes and your Williams, because they have delivered in the past. They have delivered at a high level. And he's relied on, you know, as many people have said, he's, he's put his faith in the wrong people. Yeah. And putting, speaking of putting faith in the wrong people, like, you know, Granite Jack had bottled it on the weekend, right? I think he quit. He'd had enough um, and he boiled over, right? I don't think he, I don't think he wanted to get sent off, but clearly like the pressure got to him in a way that I haven't actually seen with him before. Like I haven't actually seen him lose his cool like that. I've seen him put in crazy tackles and be out of position and I've seen him Know, have his thing with the fans but like that was different that was like he'd escalated and he couldn't he couldn't go any other way like he was gonna keep going until he got sent off and today like and, and I don't know if that's cowardly I don't know if that's the right word right but there are things that we've done that are cowardly in the past and I think today what I saw from Sabios was cowardly I think he he took the easy way out a lot today I think his passing was fine um but I think defensively, he just, you know, he, he wasn't there. He left open passing lanes. Offensively, he didn't give much. I think that chance he missed when he ended up diving to win a penalty was farcical. Like, just mm. fucking put your foot through it. Um, you know, you talk about having balls, like, you know, just back yourself. And I think a confident player or a different player goes for that. And you compare what he did there to what 
Sabios did for the goal, Sabios Saka did for the goal, it's night and day. And then, you know, maybe he was injured, but like, I don't know, the him looking a bit pissed off to be subbed was a bit of an act for me. And mm. then you put your faith in him. David Luiz comes back on. I think he, he's another one. Like, I, I just don't have any faith in him standing up when it matters. And then Gabriel, who's been absolutely brilliant, you know, had a brain fart moment. I don't really blame him. Um, like, I think we've had times this season. We talked earlier in the season, right, that Gabriel would probably get some stupid reds because of how he plays. Yeah. Koscielny's uh, done it. But, like, it just compounds everything. I also think it was... Um, we'll, we'll come on to this. I think it was pretty shoddy refereeing. But, yeah, like, do you... Mm. Clearly, Arteta could be doing better, but do you feel for him in that, you know, he keeps getting let down by individual players making individual errors? I do to a degree, but then, you know, it's it's partly his fault for putting his, his faith in certain players who we know, you know, you've just gone through a few there. We know that they were going to let him down at some point. I can forgive Gabriel. Uh, you know, it, it's different to the other recent red cards we've seen for me. Xhaka, I could do an hour's podcast just on that red card. All I'll say is I think he's done it on purpose. Um, it's heartbreaking to see, but I think there's blame. that You have to blame Arteta for some of it because you know that Jack is going to... If he doesn't let you down by doing something crazy like that, it's the first time he's done it, he's going to let you down in other ways. You know, and the same for Louise, the same for these players that he keeps selecting. Willian might not get you sent off, get you a red card, but he's going to let you down by not doing anything consistently. So, yeah, I think it's that's a good, like, I think it's massively underappreciated how, you know, when players aren't necessarily shit, right? Like, you can be shit by Arsenal standards by not offering anything. And I think that's yeah. what you see with players like Willian and El Nenny, which is they are mm-hmm. fine as footballers. Like they are not going to make massive errors in games, but they're also just not going to do anything. And nominally they mean you have 11 players on the pitch, but don't count on them to win you games. And that's difficult, right? And it's fine as a squad player. It's fine having El Nenny as our fourth or fifth choice midfielder, but you know, I find it hard looking at him on a team sheet and going, "This this guy's going to drive us to victory." Hmm. It's and look at look at that Sabias chance for the for the penalty incident. He that sums up our problem with midfield, right? Because if you if you had to say a centre midfielder, maybe you'd say Willock, but other than Willock, a centre midfielder that's going to make something happen, you would say Sabias, right? Versus El Nene Xhaka. And he gets into the box six yards out. And instead of shooting and it might find a way in, he's trying to win a penalty. And he made it so obvious that he was trying to win that penalty is why he didn't get that penalty. Because there was some contact. And we've seen penalties given for that. Yeah, but we don't get that. Several times. Yeah. But I feel he didn't do himself any favours away. He sort of threw it and showed that he had no desire to shoot. When he's six yards out. So I'm angry at him. I'm not particularly... I'm not particularly happy with the officials because we've seen those type of things given. I think it's not a penalty, but we've seen them given all the time. So that annoyed me. And then was that before or after they scored? Just after, I think. But the first half wasn't pretty. Mm -hmm. So, all right, where do we go from here? I think, I think, you know, talking about the manager going is, I think it's an important conversation to have, but I think it's unrealistic. It's not happening. And it's definitely not happening before January. Um, we shouldn't be having the conversation, but I, I think the club need to. Because if you lose, you know, the fixes we've got now, we've got Everton away at the weekend, who picked up, they picked up a good result today. Then we've got Chelsea at home. You know, then things look a little bit nicer. But those two games... But what... So I agree with you. And Man right? City in the cup. I, I, and look, the, the dread of voter no confidence might just be exactly what it looked like, which is like, mm. don't mean anything. But 
if you are at the club and you believe this guy's the right guy and you believe the players are all shit, we're not going to get rid. Rele- like we we won't get relegated, but the Europa League's not for another few months. Realistically, if you believe that we're a cu- we need a couple of extra players, like what is going to change between now and Christmas? I I, I understand that like you know, other managers might be getting more out of these players, but they also might not. And I think that there are other things about this. There's a whole range of things, right? Like, get rid of Arteta now, bring someone else in, fine. Number one, who is going to join Arsenal now? Like, probably an ex-player, but there aren't any who are rated as managers. Like, Vieira's just got the bin in France for doing pretty poorly. Henri's clearly not a good manager. I don't think we should be having that conversation. Maybe someone like the guy who, um, uh, it's not Remy, God, Lucien Favre, who just left Dortmund, maybe. I don't know. But are they going to come now? And then on top of that, what tone do you set when you sack Emery after 18 months, which I think was correct and you should have gone earlier, and then you also dismiss Arteta after what, a year in charge, right? One transfer window, maybe two, okay? And I'm not saying that's wrong, but I'm, what I am saying is perception matters. And if you do that, who then comes in? And who comes in without a shit ton of money because our squad looks shit or promises that they're going to get a lot of time that, that Arteta didn't get and Emery didn't get. And I'm not saying either of them deserve it. So I think our attractiveness as a club goes down. So you have those two issues. Then you have to pay off, pay off Arteta. And then you still have the problem where you have a useless bunch of players that we still don't know if they're any good. We still don't know... Like, half of them need to go in the summer. So you have all the same problems. And I don't know if we can get someone right now who you could be confident will fix it. Unless you just go and get a short-term manager, in which case you're in the same problems again because we need to be taking on a longer-term project. So... But it gets to a point. You potentially get to a point, and I know you say we won't get relegated, but this is a weird season, right? And we're seeing confidence levels so low at board level, they can't rule that out. They can't rule out us being in a relegation situation and they need to be planning for that as a possibility. Correct. Absolutely. If you're running the club properly, you need to be aware of it and planning for it. But, but, I, beyond not getting relegated, right, I don't think there's any point changing the manager before the end of the season. Because I, I don't think the best manager in the world gets us top four from here. No. And I think Europa financially is important, right? And I, clearly there are financial implications of finishing lower down the league. But I think that... Um, you know, We've maybe a run in the cup January. competitions gets us into Europe. But like, I, I just don't see... I agree with you. If, if you think we're in real danger of getting relegated, then you have to do something. But like... I mean, I can't believe we're having this conversation. It's mm. crazy. Clearly, the board have to have contingency planning in place. They can't just hope for the best and assume we're going to be fine, right? I get that. But, like, for me, a lot of that is a distraction. And the number one priority has to be, right, we back to you. I'm not saying let Arteta make the transfer decisions because that shouldn't be his job, even though they made him manager. But regardless of who is manager... Which two players or three players do Arsenal need to sign in January that makes them a better squad for the next three to five years, right? That is the question. Not who does Arteta want and not who do we need to bring in as manager in the next few weeks. That's, mm. that's where I am. We absolutely have to treat January like summer and do. It's never easy, but we can't afford excuses. We need two, three players, serious players, and we need, just as importantly, to get people out. Whether we're paying off contracts, I don't care. And, and it might take a lot of investment. But, you know, the owners need to understand that we could get relegated if we don't act, if we don't pay people off who are causing problems, if we don't bring in a couple of players that are completely stopping us from creating anything. But they, you know, their asset will absolutely tumble if they don't invest at this point. And can I add, it's a great opportunity to invest when you've got money because there's a ton of clubs out there around Europe a lot of the French clubs are in serious trouble. We saw the sell-off at Valencia in the summer. There's serious players who would improve us. And I think your money can go quite a long way at the moment. So, but they, it's uh, an opportunity. 
No, I agree. I just don't think they understand, right? I think I think that they're too detached and un, uninvolved, and I don't think they understand football. And I think they but surely are... they can see it now. I mean, Billets, but they're not the ones to wrong. make decisions, are they? Right? Like they they have hired people and they've consistently hired and put their faith in the wrong people. And you look at the club now, and and Edu and Arteta. That's not a football structure, right? Like there's no there's no experience, there's no vision, there is no clear plan. Like, there is no evidence that we are being run by people who have the skills to do what needs to be done at a football club of the profile of Arsenal. And I understand that the Cronkies might want to do something, but, like, they haven't got the people in charge to do it. From everything we've seen, we don't have, like, the brains at the table, the skills at the table. We have opportunists who keep coming in and leaving and taking cash off the table and earning nice big sums but doing nothing with the club. Um, so that's my worry, right? I completely agree with you. A smart club would go and say, look, there's, there is amazing opportunity right now to go and buy players we might not otherwise be able to buy or buy players at prices we otherwise might not be able to get. But, mm. you know, or you cut your losses and you say, fuck it, <clears throat> we put money into Pepe, we put money into Partey, you guys aren't delivering, we're not putting any more in. I don't know. You can't ignore when West Brom are sacking their manager today, Billet's got sacked. Six points below Arsenal in December. And they're sacking their manager the day after they just drew away against Man City. Well, I, I think by the sounds of it, they were not. I mean, if you've been following it, it sounds like it's a massive cock-up from them. I mean, I'm not saying he shouldn't have been sacked, but it's a massive cock-up from them where they expected to get battered. And I think they'd lined up all the PR and all the moves before the City game. And then it just looks really clumsy that they didn't lose that. And they've still decided to pull the plug. That's ridiculous. But they are going down. Mm, well, I hope so because that's that's one and less so are, risk. And so are Fulham, right? So that's two of them. <laughs> but for, you know, Fulham have just drawn with Liverpool and played better football for half that game than we've played for pretty much all the season. Yeah, so. but Fulham. I mean, look, Fulham. I can't believe we're having this conversation, right? But Fulham have gone out and bought a load of modern footballers, and and what we mean by that, and you see it in our game, is like the physical intensity and explosiveness and attributes to play in the Premier League in 2020 coupled with tactical brains coupled with a technical level right it's like modern footballers are basically just really fucking good all-rounders that have to be at a minimum athletic level right like almost no weaknesses and that's what you're seeing that's what Leeds have right Leeds I know I know Leeds don't have the talent level that we have but they have a physical intent. Like, look at people like Click and, like, the others. I can't even think of who they've got. But, but they are at a physical level. Look at South. Well, they're not individuals. Today. They're a team. They are. But they're also at a physical level across the pitch where they can play yeah. with an intensity that we cannot match. Southampton today, Che Adams bullied us. He's yeah. a big guy, but he bullied us. And then you look around and suddenly players like Ward-Prowse and Bertrand. Bertrand a bit tubby, maybe. But, like, they are at a physical level that they've, I've never seen them before. They've got two six-foot-six centre-backs. They've got Walker Peters running up one wing. Oriol Romeo, a bit of a lump, but again, physical, physical player. And yeah. they run and run and run. Meanwhile, we've got Danny Ceballos, who looks like he'll go down if a strong breeze blows. And El Elneny, who relies on essentially kind of never being in a physical contest because he's always moving. But again, like, will struggle if he has to go shoulder to shoulder with anyone. Granite Jacker, strong guy, but can't get close to anyone because he's so immobile. And Thomas Partey, who is probably what we need, but it's injured. So that's our midfield. And then you look around at what we're buying and you can see we're starting to address the profile. But you also see the other players we've got. Willian can't move anymore. Lacazette can't move anymore. Aubameyang's lost a yard of pace. Bellerin's getting bounced by Jack Grealish. And granted, Grealish has a low centre of gravity. But like, We've got a, you know, mid-2000s squad that I don't know if it was built for a certain style of football, but it was probably largely built based on technical attributes rather than anything else in a league that is as physical as it's ever been mm-hmm. with really deep blocks and, you know, very good presses. And that, you know, you're either up against a team that will press you off the pitch or a team that's going to sit in so deep and give you no space. Like, yeah. we, we can't play with either. It's been built across 
this current team as well, this current squad has been built across three managers, not just three managers, three completely different structures above the manager and, and you can tell. And I think, you know, as you say, that that's another reason for unless we're in serious problems, we need to see this through. Um, and just on Che Adams, I thought he was fantastic tonight uh, up against Gabriel, who's a very physical guy and he, he bullied him. He He's the first striker, I think, who's made Gabriel not look very good. Uh, he's looked fantastic all season, but Che Adams did exactly what we would have liked Lacazette to be doing for the last season or so. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's it's a real contrast, right? Where I was exactly going to say that. You look at what Lacazette yeah. does, what he's trying to do and what it ends up looking like. Yeah. Then you look at, you know, Ollie Watkins, Che Adams. These guys have come out of the championship, mm-hmm. but they're modern strikers and they are putting our guys to shame. Like, I like Eddie, but he's not there. He doesn't mm-hmm. have the physicality to play as a lone striker. Maybe no. Balogun does, right? Like, Balogun... I don't know. I'm getting ahead of ourselves, but like yeah. he, he held the ball up last week again, and it was Dundall. But he, the way he backed into players and held this the ball up. This is the stage up. we're at. Someone holds the ball up, and we're like, I was exactly the same, by the way. But someone holds the ball up, and we're like, wow, he can hold the ball up. He should. Right. It's, it's like someone dribbles past one player, and it's like, oh my god, it's the savior. Like Pepe, yeah. I like him a lot, and he's good, and he's the only threat we have. But like literally, he'll do one average thing that Salah does like 10 times a game and I get giddy. Mm. Yeah. Um, it's, oh, don't foul him, don't foul him, don't foul him. Oh, thank fuck. So Spurs nearly scored. Can um, I just say for Nketiah, I've, I've definitely not been his biggest fan. Today I felt slightly sorry for him. I think he did better than usual. He was a vital little flick for our goal. And the fact that we had 10 men again for a third of a game just completely makes him redundant. I mean, he came off. You know, so I, I feel sorry for him on a personal level. And I think today he did as much as he he did as much as he could. You know, he's a type of player. And I think like, at least he gives everything. It's the if same Eddie Nketiah really. played for Man City or, I don't know, another team that creates a lot of chance. Like, even if he played for the Southampton team, I think he'd get a lot of goals, right? Mm. Like, uh, any team that, has good wide players and puts the ball in the box on the floor, I think he'd score a lot. And I know we want more from our striker because that's how we play. But I think if we were a highly technical team that got the ball in the box a lot, you'd see a very different side to Eddie. Um, And like, it's fine, right? He might not be what we need, but that doesn't make him a bad player. I think he will go somewhere. He will probably have a good career in the Premier League and he'll score a lot of goals. And that's fine. But let's go and get the money for him. Because, like, we're going to lose him and Balogun. Sounds like they've got the same agent. We're going to lose him and Balogun if we don't sort it out and pick one. So, mm. yeah. Should we, should we look ahead to our two things? I guess if you had to take one positive from the game, what would it be? And the second one, let's look ahead to the weekend with Everton, where I'm sure we're going to win. So, what would, what would your team be for that? I'm going to give a few positives very quickly. The first, we didn't lose. You know, us getting to the scenario of having 10 men, etc., not losing is big. I know it's a problem that we get to that position, but let's take a positive in the fact that we didn't lose again because that would have been five at home in a row in the Premier League. So that's positive. The second is that we scored from open play, which we haven't done for a very long time. And the third is that Aubameyang scored from open play. And, you know, these small things we have to take because there's not a lot of positives at the moment. So I'm going to enjoy those three things so that I don't go crazy. Was there anything else you saw that was positive? Um, Jack is still banned for two more games. <laughs> no, my positive. What do we do in midfield now? I mean, Pepe and Saka. Pepe being back and Saka being amazing mm. are my positives. Um, they both worked really hard today as well. Right? They showed they cared, at least. I think, I mean, really grasping, but I think us not capitulating is a big positive mm. versus where we've been. Not losing. Like, South, Southampton are a very good side and I know we're in shit form and it doesn't feel like it's a good result, but like, 
they are a good team. Mm. And it's not, you know, if we'd won our last three games and drew this, this it wouldn't feel terrible. Exactly. So some context. Mm. Um, and yeah, I, look, I guess looking ahead to the weekend, I think, trying to think what I change. I imagine Bellerin will come back in, which is a shame mm. from a Maitland-Niles perspective. But maybe, maybe could use that to get Maitland-Niles into midfield. Especially if Sabios is injured, we might not have a choice. So yeah, I, w- I would say... I would say Bellerin for Sabios would be my change ahead of the weekend. And I actually, maybe I would do Lacazette for Nketiah. I think those would be my two changes. Yeah, I mean, we're playing a good Everton team who've just won 2-0 away tonight against Leicester. They had 39% of the ball. So they've done a Spurs, 1-2-0. Sorry, Kane just nearly lobbed Allison from a stupid place. We we've got to stick to the five till Christmas. I mean, our next three games being Everton, Man City, Chelsea means we absolutely have to anyway. I would, as you say, quite like to see Maitland-Niles midfield just because we really don't have anything else. I also think at some stage, especially when we've got three centre backs behind them, we need to be trusting Willock as one of the two centre mids because when we saw Arsenal do quite well uh, with Wenger under with the three at the back we had Ramsey as one of those two centre mids that's yeah. so different to having a, a Xhaka El Nene pairing in, the, yeah. in there I think it's a very good point right where if you play three centre backs one of your two midfielders has to be able to get into the box mm. like that's not a double pivot like it's it's you know playing three centre backs is it's almost the same as playing a one-two in midfield where the one drops in between the centre backs yeah you still need one of those midfielders to offer a lot more going forward Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if he'll do it, but I think I just think an extra body in the final third could make a real difference for us. Yeah, I don't think he'll do Maitland Niles purely because of the fact I've just looked it up 63% pass accuracy tonight. I know that's partly the game conditions, he spent a lot of the end of the game just clearing the ball, but I think that lack of ball security from Maitland Niles will, will scare him. I think there's more of a chance of Willock, who I think did a good job in the 10 or so how long was he on 20 minutes I think he did pretty well it says he got 100% pass accuracy so I like that and I think physically he's grown up a little bit as well if we're going to go to a three we need to have a bit more explosiveness in midfield so I'd I'd stick Willock in for Willock in for Sabios if he's injured are you playing right back right wing back I'd keep Niles there I think he wasn't perfect today, but I think he did a lot of good things. And he's got a bit of burst. He's got burst of pace about him. He can come in field. He's much more comfortable in crowded areas. I think he's better defensively, although he did have a few laps moments. But I'd keep him in. I don't think he's done anything to go out of the team, whereas Bellerin had done plenty. So, And yeah, maybe Lacazette, because I just think I, we're not... I think in this system, we're not going to dominate the ball. So there's no point having Nketiah through the middle. Yeah, yeah, agree. Um, although in theory, on the break, he offers more. And I think if you are going to press, you can press more with Nketiah than you can with Lacazette. But I, I can't even tell if pressing is our plan. Like we did it a bit today and then we stopped doing it and then we sat off. So, so there we go. Hmm. All right. So I guess final thing to wrap up. What's your prediction for Arsenal-Everton? I don't think we've done predictions since I successfully predicted a nil-nil with Wolves. Um, I'm going to go for another draw. 1-0. Very positive. I thought you said we were going to be positive on tonight's show. <laughs> that is very positive. All right. I'm going 3-1 to Arsenal. The good news is I there's think... no money on this and no accountability. So I can just make up positive scores and stupid things to cheer myself up until we actually play the game. So For some reason we still have hope, right? And I, I And we haven't played on point... a Saturday in ages, so maybe that'll be that'll be good for us. Yeah. But at some point something's gotta go for us. Like uh I don't know if everyone's watched the game, but at the end of this game today, we didn't touch the ball after the red card and we got a free kick with two minutes left. That ball comes in. 
to holding. And just for a moment now, I'm thinking, this is the moment. We all go crazy that we've managed to get a win. This is the turning point. And it just clips the bar. And even then, it doesn't bounce back to Aubameyang. I think just out of reach. if they were being fair, they should have counted that as a goal for us. <laughs> but we've got to have a moment like that, a scruffy moment. At some point, something's got to fall for us. Yeah. And that, hopefully that happens in one of these bigger games. Because if it, if it does happen in a bigger game, we get a result against an Everton away or a Chelsea, then that's a much bigger bounce than if we'd... It is Burnley. crazy. Yeah, like, I think if that goes in... I mean, the, 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 I don't think we deserved the win today, but yeah, like to scrap a win in that game would have been huge. Mm. So anyway. I think a draw was fair as well, by the way, because yeah. I don't think Southampton... The, what you saw from Southampton is they went 1-0 up and they thought, we've seen Arsenal never score. We're just going to try and stop them scoring. And, they, and they, they didn't really try and get at us until they had the extra man. And even then, you know, we held them pretty well, as we've seen we're, we're capable of doing in that that shape maybe anyway let's see uh i i I don't know if a draw was fair i think we could have easily lost but then we could have easily won so who knows Mm. anyway i think we should wrap up because this this was nearly bite size and then we got carried away but we'll try again so thank you everyone for joining us i have been jb i've been pb and we will see you soon on the fresh arsenal podcast goodbye Podcast Network.